Ever wanted a career in football? At the Global Institute of Sport, you can now study a master's degree in football business or football coaching and analysis right here in Australia. GIS is the largest provider of sports degrees in the UK with campuses at Wembley and Etihad Stadium. Learn online with unique access to the iconic MCG and a big-hitting Australian industry network. Be one of the first Australians to get a football master's degree and join GIS's global network of football leaders. Apply now to start in February 2023. Learn more at gis.sport FNR. That's gis.sport FNR. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick from Mavia. We started with six, and now just two remain. The A-League grand finalists decided in plenty of semi-final drama over the weekend. Western United and Melbourne City booking their place in the A-League men's grand final for this Saturday at 7.45pm at Amy Park. I mean, if the semi-finals are anything to go by, Jason Goldsmith here on the Oz Football Hour, this grand final is going to be a cracker. It should be really good. Um, the semis on the weekend were great. I think uh, Western United definitely played in the played the better football leading into the final. But I think, uh, and you've got Melbourne City with runs on the board. This is their third in a row. Western United third year in existence, so quite the achievement. And uh, kudos to John Aloisi and. Uh, well, the powers that be, they got this list together and, and got them fit and firing at the right time of year. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty to get through, obviously, on the on the domestic front. Recapping those semifinals, a bit of a grand final preview as well. But uh, quite a lot happening in an Australian context overseas as well. I'm very, very tired. I'm not sure about you, Lucky. Oh, but I am been a, exhausted. Been plenty of early mornings, plenty of late nights, plenty of, uh, of games to catch up on as well. And it doesn't stop. So, um couple more leading into, and then we've got the Socceroos in a couple of weeks' time as well with that all-important qualifier yeah, too. Yeah, and for you, dear listener slash viewer, or both, whichever or all of them you may mm. be, uh, we will put to one side that exhaustion from following all the football over the weekend and uh, dig into our uh, our hour of broadcasting with uh, a lot of zeal. And we're going to start with uh, start with the, the first of the weekend semifinals, the early, uh, early kickoff, the 5 p.m. on election yep. day. Uh, you know, everyone was talking about a big result that happened on the uh, on the Saturday. Most of them, I like to think, were referring to uh, Melbourne Victory 1, Western United 4, and not the other election-related thing. I'm sure this is what most of the discourse uh, was about, and so too it should have been, because this was an unbelievable game and an unbelievable result for Western United. And an unbelievable atmosphere, too. Mm. Like I, I went along to this one. It's a, a great advertisement for the league. Um, the Western United uh, had about a bay as the away team, but they made a lot of noise early, tried the best as they could to outdo the, the North Terrace and the Victory fans. But um, great atmosphere, about 15,000 there. And disappointing, um, I mean, we talk about upcoming crowds. The crowds have been down across across the board this season, but for a Victory final not to have the, the top tier open was uh, was an interesting one for me. Yeah, it, it, would, it is a little bit disappointing. I, I think... As many people did complain about during the week, uh, the scheduling, I think 
obviously the scheduling was done with the TV product and getting maximum yep. eyeballs on it in mind. You know, have it at five o'clock, get it wrapping up at seven, and then people can on the main channel on ten dive into the election coverage. What would have happened with extra time and penalties? That's what I'm worried about. You know, they talk about the election coverage kicks off, but if this yeah. game had a roll, I know this is over, the, the penultimate penalty like the in the shootout, did. but we yeah. have to cross live now yeah. to Albany, Anthony Albanese. We'll put an add on in between as well. You know, like it's it was an interesting. Then maybe they could have just done a picture in picture like seat ticker Maybe, down the bottom. Obviously. Although we've we've seen uh, how hard getting picture in picture is for uh, like, yeah, that's for right. stuff this season. But we, we won't we won't trot on that old I mean ground. um Victory had that one nil lead heading into to Saturday's second leg of the semi finals and it's uh, and I think most of their fans were confident they were gonna get the job done. Yeah. Um and then Prijevic changed that early with a goal. Yeah, I mean it it, it speaks to, you know, in the last couple of weeks we've been talking about marquee players and what players with significant pedigree can bring to a side and Alex Previch, while he's not he wouldn't necessarily make the the list of 35 uh in terms of the star studded names that we might be targeting over the next few years no but he does have that decent CV and he absolutely showed it It was a fine finish uh not his first over this final series not his first in this game and uh not only that not only the finish but the delivery in Mm -hmm. from Connor Payne yeah with the non-preferred foot to in-swing that all the way towards the back post and Previch tapping it past Ivan Kalavar at the back stick. It was just it was an excellent goal, and I think it was. Look, the first goal in this game was always going to be, if it ever happened, super super important. Yep. You suspected that Victory would maybe try and sit on the lead that they had and exploit Western United in the counter attack, which we know is a, an area in which they've been vulnerable. But I think this moment. Almost decided the decided the game in a way because I think once that goal went in, Western it, it sort of materialized like we can do this. Well, like, we the, can turn it, this it around. It completely changed the tempo. Mm. So and was, it was the, it was effectively their first shot of the the game uh, inside yep. eighteen minutes. Pretty it much, cha- it changed the tempo. So I was sitting there with a friend of mine, Lucas, and we we're watching the game, and he says to me, "This has got nil all written all over it." Mm. I said, "Well, victory would be more than happy with that because have, taking that one nil lead into the game." Um, Prijevic changed it, and then um, then Jake Primer's free kick was just um, was just top shelf, and uh, and all of a sudden the crowd came to life, or the victory active supporters, and the, and then they took the lead into the process. So uh, at one all in in this leg, um, victory are actually two one up uh, yeah. to go through to the grand final, and there was that sense of entitlement. Victory have been you know one of the most successful clubs over the the history of the A leagues. Um, and you could see and you could sense that something was happening here and then Western United absolutely turned it all around, clearly the better side, and just, um, yeah, came through and and won the game. But, I mean, going into halftime, magnificent. So, you know, ready to go. The game's ready to ready to kick off. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was delicately poised and that, that free kick from, from Jake Brimmer was, as you said, unbelievable. We, we have seen... Uh, in this game and in the elimination final, that it takes quite a lot to yep. beat, uh, get the better of Jamie Young in in finals form, and that was pretty much uh, what this was from from Jake Brimmer. It was something out of the absolute top draw. And look, full credit must go to Western United. I, like I said, I think that first goal just gave them the belief that even if we get pegged back again, we can do this, and that's exactly what they they went on to do. Was it? Transition heavy? Uh, was it through the aid of a deflection for the third goal? Sure, but 
they seemed like they just had that laser focus the minute Prijevic got the opener. And how good was he in this game? He was outstanding, I thought. He he was fantastic. And then, then he got the second goal to basically um, make things all level again for Western United. So um, Lockie Wales, the much maligned Lockie Wales, was doing a, an awesome job running up and down and utilising his strength, which is his pace. Crossed the ball and then some diving diving legs, all screaming in there. And, uh, and Previch got the touch. Uh, I think Simon Hill almost thought it was an own goal because Previch was actually in the middle of... Uh, uh, Speranovic and Hamill and managed to uh, yeah hit the, the bottom of his foot and put it into the right spot. And uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> it was game on. And that second half was just amazing because the, the atmosphere and you could feel it, that um, how tense it was. And, and when it, that had gone in and it was all of a sudden 2-all overall uh, and with United 2-1 up on the, on the evening, it's, uh, it's certainly put in for a fantastic second half. Yeah, look, I, th- I think I'm going to say this as someone who watched the, the replay of the game after the fact yep. I wasn't able to watch the game live. In defense of Simon Hill, Brendan Hamill and Alex Previch are pretty sure they were wearing the same boots and their legs were outstretched for the same ball. So I can see how the mistake could have been made. I am not gonna not gonna have No no, no I'm not I'm not it. I'm not slagging off. I'm just saying how I'm actually making the point of how good Previch's effort was to get a foot to it. Oh yeah. He, um yeah, he had, a, had an opponent on both sides of him and managed to slide yeah, it but, in. But like, but again Look, credit to him for getting to it, but the ball in the the level of whip mm-hmm. that that came through as it skidded along the surface from Dylan Wenzel Horse to be able to pick out a teammate through double coverage of defenders, yeah, uh, and then for for Previch to find the finish that he did was was frankly unbelievable. But the the other thing you mentioned there, you bring up Lockie Wales. Obviously, he scored the sort of d- deflected goal that that put them ahead yep. uh, on aggregate across the across the two legs before Dylan Wenzel Hulls ultimately sealed it up in, in in stoppage time is a lot of the focus around the squad for for Western has been about oh they've brought in a lot of older heads yep. um you know uh, dad's army yeah 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 um but i also also think that one thing western have done quite well throughout their stretch is to identify value in players that maybe other teams aren't seeing. Because I, I think I think over this game, for example, uh, and and to a larger extent over the course of the season, I mean, Connor Payne yeah. has been a, a Western United player since day dot, but at the time, not a not a player that a lot of people would necessarily have placed a lot of stock and would have held yep. in quite high regard. But under Mark Rudan, he turned himself into a, a different player, got a new lease of life, and he's continued those um, solid contributions throughout. I mean, again, that assist that he had, I, I think if you said three years ago to a lot of people, I don't think many people would have agreed or thought that Connor Payne was capable of that sort of a delivery into the box with the non-preferred foot. Lockie Wales. Obviously, there was a lot of hype and a lot mm-hmm. of hope around him when he did make the switch across from Central Coast, where he'd performed very well, to a big club in Melbourne City. But at City, let's face it, he really, really struggled. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of City fans grew quite um, antagonistic and quite sort of spiteful towards him because of some of the performance. scoring, yeah. Some, yeah. Because he wasn't scoring, because of some of the performance that he's, he's been putting in and... I think a lot of that spite has spilled into his relationship with those fans now that he's a Western United player. But again, 
he is coming off the it's, back of some yeah, difficult seasons for a, City. Yeah, a confidence thing for him too. You recall that he did score at the Olympics against Argentina, so you yes. know, that's one of one thing that really would probably give him yeah. a boost. But brought into brought into that environment with a point to prove after the time mm. at City, particularly this season, he's been excellent. You know, used in that new position, coming through the middle as well as being able to play out wide. He's getting assists. He's scoring goals, and he will be one of I reckon the most motivated players out on the pitch this Saturday coming up against his old club. And Ben Garuccio, another one in that list. Yep. Again, he's been a great A-League player over the stretch, but let's not forget his most recent season in the A-League before joining Western under John Aloisi was as a sort of second fiddle to a starting option. Mm. Didn't see that many minutes. So he'll be another with massive, massive fire under the belly. And I think that's going to make for uh, a cracking contest. But to maximise those kind of players who... Not everyone would have rated, in addition to the more established names, the big CVs like Previch. Uh, I think Weston deserve uh, quite a bit of credit for that. You talk about Dad's army, but Saturday's second leg, you had uh, Diamantes hardly played this season. You got Topper Stanley on the bench as well. So they're, they're not actually contributing on the field for them, but as a dressing room presence, they would be amazing. The Dad's Army guy that's making the massive difference for them, and we've seen it time and time again and again uh, in this, is the goalkeeper. Yeah. We mentioned, we, we spent a lot of time talking about Jamie Young's save last week. He did one again off uh, Josh Brillante on, on a Saturday night. Just amazing. The form that he's in um, is just sensational. To get a, to score past him, you've you got to be doing something pretty good. Yeah, I, and obviously we don't know what's going to happen this Sunday. We don't know who's going to stand up. But if you if you were sort of giving out a finals player of the season at this mark. I mean, I think Alex Alex Previch is probably the only other teammate or other player mm. in all of the finals campaign that, that really can hold a candle to the, the quality that Jamie Young has provided because obviously that that early uh, you know save that he he made off the off the long shot. I can't recall who the player um, the victory player was that had yep. the shot now. But it's, it maybe is Brilliant a very di- yep. Yeah, Brillante, thank you. It maybe if that isn't Jamie Young behind the goals. We're talking about uh, maybe a different game, maybe a different Absolutely. result. I mean, the second half had it all, really. Once Lockie Wales scored and it was, um, you know, victory chasing that equaliser, they they chased and chased and chased. They did leave everything out there. And at one stage, I think uh, I noted down, uh, Majota hit the post in the 87th yes. minute. So um, that was just a matter of inches and centimetres. Yeah. That changes the whole Which is, dynamic. Which is not going to do anything to uh, endear him any further. And, of course, um, yeah, nine, nine minutes into the, the second half of – sorry, yeah, the, the injury time in the second half, Dylan Wenzel's hole is, is pretty much put mm. it beyond doubt and mm. the Victory fans started pouring out. They had a handball shout too late in the game too on Kilkenny. Um, his hands were by his side. Ref looked at it. VAR weren't going to look at it. The fans weren't too happy because it was inside the box. But uh, his hands were right by his side. Um, but they did the job and, and full credit to them. And I think it's sort of for John Aloisi, he'll be coming up against, although they're, they're a different name, the, the team that gave him his first professional coaching gig. But if you saw on the highlights, um, you know, all the players chanting John Aloisi, John Aloisi when he came back in afterwards, like the, the respect that he must be held in by his players, it's pretty amazing. Um yeah, third go at coaching. Um, see how he goes in in the final. But it's a, a, a credit to John Aloisi, given uh, he didn't have the greatest of results at Melbourne Hearts. He didn't have the greatest of resu- results at Brisbane Roar. In fact, I think he was in charge when the the numbers were falling off their jerseys in that um, yeah. a, uh, Asian it's, qualifier, it's, it, Asian Champions League yeah, qualifier. Yeah, and it's, so, it's hard to um, 
not not just results, but also image uh, and Correct. perspective counts for a lot in Australian football. Well, and the it. fact that he was the manager in charge of that, and he's been able well, not in charge of it. He wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't taping the numbers on the back of the shirts himself, but in charge at the time of those kind of events. It it's hard not yeah, to yeah, be yeah. hard not to be tarred by the same brush. And credit to him, he hasn't and has gone on to. Uh, well, effectively, to just make the grand final is his biggest co- coaching achievement to date. It's the only real shame with this is that if they do happen to take out the toilet seat trophy, that, that where do they go? They can't. They go to Essendon Football Club. They don't have that stadium there that they could have I mean, taken it, would, it, back it would look to. pretty pretty nice in and amongst uh, as someone who's who's been to the hangar. It would look pretty nice in and amongst the wall of you know sixteen what I mean? premierships. Like, I don't there. think I don't think when the club was established that they thought they'd get a, a trophy ahead of a stadium. I mean, the whole no. basis of no. this expansion team coming into play was the, their own stadium. So, um, yeah, that's the only disappointing thing for me that maybe they've, they've jumped ahead with their success on the field. I mean, my, 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 the, ahead of the stadium. Devil's advocate. Might, might that be a, a good thing in terms of generating extra interest, extra fan? The, the fact that they're doing this or potentially being able to get this result on the cusp of, depending on the development of the training precinct, they might actually have a, albeit temporary, home yeah, ground to play games out of would be great. Uh, at, yeah. the, at the earliest halfway through next season. They've got the A-League women's side making their debut next year. Is it a good time for them to be sort of getting that win, generating a bit of a buzz? Well, it's always a good time for them to generate buzz. There's never so a there's bad never time a bad to win a grand final, is so, there? No, that's true. Um, they will take it for sure. I'm just, just saying that, yeah, they, I don't think they would have forecast the trophies before the stadium. That's, that's true. Although, going back to the, the comment you made before about the atmosphere at yep. this game, credit, I think, must also go to Western United for the noise that they made. It wasn't just victory fans. Western crammed all... or. They didn't cram. It wasn't forced. They weren't yeah. at gunpoint or anything like you that. Can watch but they encouraged the Western supporters to fill out and buy your tickets. Specifically, I think it was Bays 15 and 16. Yeah. And it, it really worked to, to create well, a good sort see, of counterpoint to victory. Absolutely. You can see all the celebrations, all the all the players knew where to go, and all the, the noise was coming from there as well. I mean, it's it, I don't. there's no club that can out... Um, sorry, make more noise than Melbourne Victory no. fans at any stage. And we saw that there's even the Wellington Phoenix could make more mm. noise than, than some of the Melbourne teams uh, for different reasons. So they did a great job and I think that so the atmosphere for Saturday should be fine. I, I'm actually expecting a crowd, uh, a decent crowd for this, the two Melbourne teams, and they should go through to, you know, fifteen to 20,000, which is not a bad thing. Everyone will say there'll be empty seats and whatever, but it won't make a difference. You should, we should be focusing on... The action on the pitch, and they will, they will generate enough of an atmosphere that fifteen thousand will be will be fine. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the the early mark from what I've seen so far is that twelve thousand tickets uh, have already that's already been sold. Was, the, was, the, sorry, the top uh, the top deck of yeah. Amy was uh, initially closed, but I think they've partially opened it now because of the uh, promise yeah. of the early sales. So I think, considering last year's grand final, Sydney fans were probably reticent to attend because they were sort of on the verge of, of lockdown at the time. They was weren't 14, allowed to. No, no, was, they weren't allowed they to. Weren't allowed yeah. to yeah. Of course. Um, was 14,000. I think anything better than, than that, you know, say you get towards 15, 16, 17, I think all things considered that's that's a pretty good outcome. And I really do hope that Victory fans, despite the fact that they do not like either of these teams, despite the fact that their club won't be there on the day, I really hope some of them do turn up because I think it will still be an excellent spectacle to be a part of. And you've, you, you've got to... Even regardless of which A-League team you support, you've also got to have that secondary, like, 
I want what's good for the A League. Correct, yeah, and and it's a grand final. And um, I think the the Victory United game and a lot of neutrals were saying, like, this is great, end to end stuff, atmosphere, the rest, it was good. Mm. Mm. Well, Western United in the grand final and uh, hoping for their fans to make a big, big noise this Saturday. They will probably be. Uh, undersized compared to their opponents, although yeah. maybe not not by all that much, mm-hmm. because they'll take on Melbourne City, who themselves, uh, I think, squeaked is is the right word, squeaked past Adelaide United after after extra time to uh, book their place in the grand final. They were obviously working off a nil nil aggregate after yeah. the first leg, two uh, one it ended after that extra period was played, but it was right up until about twenty minutes before the final. Uh, whistle of regular time, it was pretty nervy for City. So yeah, Zach Clough's goal for Adelaide oh, was unbelievable. Yeah, goal. it just it just um, clipped off his boot and just sat up there perfect for him to lob the keeper. Well, I I would put it to you: has there ever been a more appropriate description, like audacious finish? I feel like the word audacious to describe that goal is like more appropriately labelled to that goal than any other goal I can remember seeing. Well, he hit his foot and it just bobbled up or it did just, he control it up? But either way, it, he was there and the ball was there for him. He just had to just like follow through almost like a golf swing to put it in the right spot. Um, and I had an Adelaide United mate I spoke to afterward goes, why aren't there away goals? Why aren't there away goals? If there were away goals, they actually go through. Because um, it would have been one all at full time and away girls takes them through. That's true. But yeah. then you would have also had a weird, I mean, the scoreline was different, mind you, but you would have had a very weird away goal situation when two play, two teams were playing at the same home ground, but one was home, yeah, one was it away. Yeah, would have been 8-3. Anyway, let's <laughs> yeah. at that one. Um, I think um, it was interesting that Paddy Kisnorbo started Florin Berengay. He hadn't played for a long time. He looked a bit out of it, just sort of a little, you know, half a second off the pace for a little bit. Um, so it was interesting how that looked. I mean, having Tilio on the bench, uh, I, I was at the game and commented to friends that they just need to bring Tilio on to spark something because that's what he does and that's exactly what he did. Yeah. So he came into into the game and made a massive difference and then and scored that first goal. But that's that's what Marco Tilio does. We're screaming for him to actually get more minutes. In the A-League, there's rumours that he's, uh, he's away after this season as well. Um but he made the difference. Seventy fourth minute, he equalises and, and takes the game to extra time for for City against United. Absolutely, he was he was brilliant. I don't, I don't think many people were surprised, as you said, to to see that that ended up being the case. Is, is there a, a knock on? Is there a knock on Kisnorbo here in that he didn't recognise that and start Tilio to begin with? I know he didn't have the best game in the first leg, uh-huh. but it's undeniable that his quality is there he's got more fitness than than Berenguer and if you brought Berenguer on as a sub as opposed to when the game slowed down probably it also might have given you scope to actually play the two together rather than them coming one on one off as we saw on the 58th minute when that double sub got made yeah we might have got to see a bit of them in tandem which to be honest brings out the best in Tilio brings out the best in Tilio brings out the best in Berenguer for sure when they play together yeah and I think it's not hard to make the case that when City have been at their best this year, it's been when those two have been playing in tandem. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit of an overlap. I don't know. I, I Look, obviously they got the win in the end after extra time, but I just feel like with some of the selection decisions and with not giving any scope for Berenguer and Tilio to play together and share the creative burden with one another, did Patrick Kisnorbo make this game harder for City than it needed to be. Like, I feel 
if you make a couple of tweaks, Tilio starts from the get-go. Could City not have saved themselves an extra 30 minutes of running probably, and won the game in regular time? Probably, but I mean, they're pretty, he's pretty cut and dried in how he actually tactically what he does. So if you look at it, so Tomulka, oh, sorry, Gamulka st- starts, which he hasn't done most of the season, but his last game, he basically set up the two goals from his crosses from his corners, right? So he's, in, he's mm. a very, he's a talent, but they looked a lot better when you had Roston Griffiths as an old experienced head on the, on the park coming on at the same time when Tilio came on. Um, and the other one too, Naboot wasn't his greatest game in terms of uh, trying to beat the, the opponent. I don't think he did very often. Kolakowski gave an, a massive spark when he came on too. So the three subs made a difference. They looked a lot better. And, and Adelaide United looked spent at that stage. Um, I thought it was it was a matter of time. It wasn't going to go to penalties. Um, and in extra time, yeah, J-Mac, Jamie McLaren scored very, very early with a Jamie McLaren tap-in. And... From there, they just sort of held on and there wasn't much spark in the rest of the extra time. Yeah, and that, look, they couldn't have made it much easier for yeah. him, really. I mean, Michael Jakobsen's very unconvincing. I, I would call it a clearance because that's what he was going for, but it was much more of a half clearance. And yeah, Jamie McLaren, not a player you can cough up chances to at, at, at the best of times. And this was uh, definitely not for the best of times at all. It's, it's an interesting one, too. We talked about the, the subs that he made. So when they won the grand final last year, these subs were actually the starters. Because if you recall last year, they were missing Good, they were missing Naboot. They well, were McLaren missing was unavailable Metcalf, as well. And they were yeah. missing McLaren. They were all, uh, Naboot was injured. The other three were on Socceroos duty. So there was all those uh, isolation rules around that. So Tilio and Kolakowski scored in the preliminary final against MacArthur to get them there. And, and they made the difference on the park uh, against Sydney. So they're probably uh, are blessed, I guess, to have that kind of – to bat that deep um, and that when things weren't going that way, the three subs made a, a massive difference to actually change it around. So tactically it would be interesting to see how it goes. I can't see him straying too much from that. If it's a Tilio Beringer um, job share arrangement hmm. um, for the grand final, is who goes first and who goes second, you know, I think. Yeah, look, maybe my my clamouring for them to play together is kind of falling, going to fall on deaf ears, particularly considering the level of risk that's tied up with every single small decision, every single small uh, you know point in in a grand final. Mm. You're probably going to want to have the steal of someone like Austin Griffiths there from from the get go, as opposed to maybe even alongside Metcalf or Gamulka, yeah. uh, as opposed to you know, going with the creative uh, tandem of, of sort of two more attacking midfielders. It's probably not going to happen, is no, it? No, it's not going to happen. Mm. I don't, I don't Unless think... one of them gets shifted out in the wing. But again, you just... Uh, we've, we've spoken a lot about that kind of established hierarchy that exists mm. at City and those Socceroos, older players, positions in the squad, they are respected. I mean, Jordan... Yep. Jordan Boss at left back would know that better than many other players in this yep. side. I just you could slot Tilio in one of those places. Naboo didn't have the best game. I just don't see it happening. No, look, I think the result was the best result for the season. Melbourne City being the better team in this season, they've been super rusty the last couple of months, and that's um, either they're down to the Asian Champions League campaign and they're just sort of getting back on track, um, getting the cobwebs out. Beringer hadn't played for a couple of months as well, so we give him credit. He might be better for the run. Yeah. Um, look, and it sets them up for a, another grand final appearance. They're third in a row, and they're going to try to be the first team that's won back-to-back plates and um, 
and uh, and championships. As yeah, well. back so, to back doubles, which mm. is uh, is is quite the feat. A quick word before we we head to the break on the teams that that leave us or left us at this penultimate stage. I mean, yep. victory. It's hard to see this season as even though they would have been. Hoping, given their recent amazing, I think it was sixteen games unbeaten that they were at the time of the, the yep. second uh, second leg semi final, they would have been hoping to make that grand final. But I think in the context of a three hundred and sixty five days ago, uh, has to go down as a, a as a, a qualified success for Ma- massive win, massive win. Um, mm. The coach and the players they brought in huge. Yeah, it, it seems as though look, you can you can make your own comments about how you feel about the style of football that Tony Popovich plays, but I think it's something that is very well connected to that combative, uh, very physical, very direct, very intense style. I actually think is something that historically has suited Victory pretty well. So I think I think there's a good pairing there and yep. I think they're, they're a team to, to continue to watch out for next season. Adelaide, look, again, they were one of that group of teams that, oh, well, I guess they didn't really fall into the into the, the finals. They, 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 they were in the top fourth. four. They finished fourth. How, how, do you ra- how do you rate the season? There's been plenty of good young players coming through, yeah, maybe a chance to give them more scope in They finished fourth. Years. They pushed a lot of young players through. They're going to lose a couple, which we'll touch on later, yes. that are off to France. But you've you got to remember, too, they're, they're two um, – well, the three best players, if you take Craig Goodwin, Craig Goodwin's had a, a one a season off the charts. He's been fantastic and hopefully it takes that into soccer. They've, got to, they've got to get him back as well. Yeah. Or try and get him back at least if they can. Ben Halloran was the start of the season. He went overseas. Stefan Moore, Moore well, their yeah. captain, went overseas as well. And they played a lot of kids and a lot of awesome young African-Australian kids that hopefully got a big future with um, within the game locally, overseas and the soccer is potentially. So I would put a big tick against them. They've, they've relied on local talent. Um, if they can get mm. some uh, some good foreigners for next season, they they might do some 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 extra things. Yeah, the, the, I the, think it was a success for them. Fourth's about right. Yeah, the, the 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 foreigner balance definitely has to be sorted out. I think they have done well to bring in youngsters. I I want to my big hope for for Adelaide next season, and I don't know if we're going to get it based on Calvert's, um uh, estimations at the at the the post match press conference. It's great to see how many young players have contributed to what this side has achieved this year. I would like to see more of them trusted with being able to actually start games and True. run out games. Like b- the fact that Bernardo came on in the 86th minute in this game. Well, Zach Clough started, and yes, he did obviously score a fantastic goal. But let's face it, since he's come into the fold, he's been one of the worst foreigners in the league. The fact yep. that Bernardo, who has been such a bright spark, or even a... a uh, Nestor and Kunda, as young as he is, wasn't sort of trusted with something. I think that's, you know, we've identified a really great point of Adelaide, if we didn't already know it, didn't exist True. in their young talents. It, I think there's scope to expand on that massively. True. But we also can counter it that they scored late often, so maybe they were um, over. Yeah, but I, they, I don't they, know. I just, I just think some of those players are more deserving of, like, as, as good as they have been, as value of their as valuable as they have been off the bench, I think there's still a chance to, to give them a little bit more scope. Of course, uh, Adelaide will be losing a couple of them mm-hmm. in in the uh, in the off season. And Yaya Dakuli and uh, and as well Moture. Moture. Yep. Thank you both going uh, over to France, and uh, we we might we might actually follow them on the other side of this break to uh, to the overseas matters because we had a lot of Aussies playing a lot of important games, uh, mind you, with varying degrees of success, particularly if you are a Hearts fan like myself. But yeah, here on the other side of the break, on the Oz Football Hour, we're going to get into our uh, 
our Aussies abroad and see what they've been up to. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Yeah! Like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick from Maria. Back here on the Oz Football Hour, we have ripped through already, if you're just joining us, our semi-final reviews of Victory and Western and Melbourne City and Adelaide. If you've missed any of it, if you want to get our thoughts, you can check it out uh, either on this stream when it finishes at full time or check us out on uh, any of the, uh, or your preferred podcast platform. You just find uh, FNR Football Nation Radio and you'll be able to check it out. We're going to come up with a grand final preview at the end of the show, saving the juiciest bit till last. But in the meantime, we've had a lot of players overseas, uh, the Kangaroos abroad, doing plenty of um, plenty of important things in plenty of crucial games. Uh, where do we want to start? Is the Europa League the place where we're going to go first? We because... can. Why don't we start with the winners first? Okay. Whoever the winners first. Well, you I can, mean, you can Aiden, give... Aiden yes. Frustich is a winner. Absolutely. So we can go with him. Yeah, so... Um, didn't have too many minutes as uh, Eintracht Frankfurt and Rangers in the Europa League final went to extra time. Um, he did come on and he had a one chance early. It looked quite good. Um, they went on penalties, Frankfurt, and uh, our man Rustic had the second penalty for Frankfurt and he absolutely nailed it. What an ice man. Like I, I watched that and I'm like, no wonder he takes the dead balls for the Socceroos. I want him taking every penalty for the, for the Socceroos from now on. Can we petition to the AFC? Just let us we, – we don't actually want five different penalty takers. Just if, him to do five. If, if you let him do the first five, we'll give the rest to Matt Ryan was that, if, we, if we need it. That was at Rangers' end too, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. It was when in, he said, he's it, like, there's a wall of blue behind me. It was me. in front yeah. of hundreds of Rangers. It was one of, in, in those stakes, to be a substitute. And particularly, let, let's not forget, the substitutes at, at the Euro final mm-hmm. last year were one of the big letdowns. Gareth, uh, Gareth Southgate was chastised for bringing these bring players that, yeah. on who weren't fresh. There were studies done. Uh, I don't think... I don't think Aiden Rustich was paying any attention to any of that chatter at but the time. But I think he had 10 or 15 minutes of game time. It might have been on for more of extra time. But yeah, I, I guess yeah. it was, I guess it was a was, little bit more. Was, but even he so. Was warm. He was warm. Even but so. that's a magnificent effort to win the Euro- Europa League. Um, going to penalties, just absolutely smashed it. It was awesome. And you can tell you're doing a good job when uh, Aaron Ramsey is watching your penalty at full time and thinking, I wish mine looked like that. <laughs> we'll see how he goes. Um, yeah, when Wales have their next World Cup qualifier against... Ukraine or Scotland? Oh, you, see, you paused there for a moment, and that made me made me think you were going to just say Ukraine, and we were going to no, have, no, a, no, well, have a problem. Unfortunately, but you said Ukraine or Scotland, so you saved yourself there, Jason. The whole world, the whole world's behind Ukraine is quite yes, difficult. Yes. Um, and then maybe Saturday morning, uh, the women's Champions League, we uh, have a winner with Leon, Ellie Carpenter. Bittersweet, I think. Very is, uh, bittersweet. Probably so, a little, if you're an Australian in particular, probably much more bitter than it is sweet. So Ellie Carpenter is still very, very young and has got a million caps behind her for the Matildas and she's been an outstanding talent for a long time. She went down with, a, I think it was an ACL in the 12th minute um, and it looks like she's out of the game for 12 months. Yeah, it was a, an ACL and 12 months is the uh, what the usual return time. It's a mm-hmm. suspected return time for Ellie as well. So it would technically get her back 
playing right on the cusp of the Women's World Cup, but it's not it, like she'll probably be in the squad, but it's not going to be easy for her. She's one of the she's one of our best players, so she has mm. to be in the squad. That's but not going to be easy for the no, Matildas either. Yeah. The Women's World Cup is in fourteen months, so you have got eight weeks to get it right. You know, eight weeks. So stuff. Yeah, you it will be tough. Uh, she's one of the quicker players in the Matildas. If you see her when they win the, the when Leon wins and she's on crutches. She motors across well, the she, pitch. She's, she is so fast. Even on one leg, she was fast. So yeah, maybe we exa- give her exactly. every opportunity. Give her every opportunity to get could, back. Could we play her with the crutches on and she just operates off, off one leg? Well, I still think there are a few options. You know, There are a few good <laughs> Matilda's options for the right fullback slot, but I still think she would be, even on one leg, uh, relatively, relatively com- comparable. But, yeah, wish her a... A speedy recovery. Hopefully, We've yeah, seen some ridiculous yep. uh, swift ones in the past. I think Amy Chapman once recovered from a an ACL in like six months. It was a ridiculous, yeah. miraculous feat. Hopefully Ellie Carpenter can do exactly the same. Everything, and we're sure all the best with rehab. Let's go and yes. get, uh, get it all right. Um, the other one, uh, if we go chronologically, I guess, wouldn't probably work. So this is probably around the Hearts time as oh, well. No. The, the League One playoff in the UK um, and Sunderland managed to get promoted with a 2-0 win and uh, soccer with Bailey Wright yes. in the Sunderland team. So congratulations to him. Did a great job there in League One and hopefully uh, helps them uh, into the championship next year. And a shout-out to Ian Sison uh, from uh, FNRs, if you know your history, who is still over in the UK but uh, took his sons along as a lifelong Sunderland fan to watch that at Wembley. That would be pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, that would have been absolutely spectacular. I considered doing a similar thing for, for the next game I imagine we're going to head into. Yes. Uh, didn't decided against the last the bank, minute. The bank balance decided, or the, well, the... no, I decided. <laughs> okay. I decided. Um, the, the the bank balance was elbowing me a little All bit, right, but yeah. I made the final call uh, not to go to uh, to Glasgow to Hampton to watch Hearts play uh, my beloved Hearts. If you didn't know that already, play in the Scottish Cup final, and I think I made a good financial decision, probably a good emotional decision as sure. well. Sure. So. Um, Australian connection there, Cam Devlin and, and Nathaniel Atkinson on the Hearts list. And mm, both ra- started. And both started. How'd they go? I didn't see the game. Ooh. To be honest, didn't see the game and, and you know, 25 words or less. Well, I, I think their, I think any description of their performance is not really complete without referencing Hearts' performance in general. They were okay. good They were good for 45 yep. um, and then just completely fell away. They, they tried to sort of, after Rangers were obviously coming off the back of the Europa League final, tried yep. to run them off their feet mm-hmm. uh, for 45 minutes and then in doing so ran themselves tied the, off, yeah. ran themselves off <laughs> yep. their feet. So Cam Devlin provided a lot of energy. He was great at harrying people as he always is, yep. know, scrappy to himself. Uh, in that first 45, he looked gassed for the rest of the game. I thought Atkinson was actually, even though he probably did tire from about minute yep. 70 onwards, was actually one of Hart's better players on the day The def- because the defence did do a really good job to... Um, to keep it as a goalless thing, but yeah, Rangers. After the the halftime whistle, you know, the game recommenced. It was always a, a matter of when and not if for Rangers. So yeah, Rangers two 0 and they scored early in extra time, and that was uh, yeah ninety four ninety seventh minute. Yeah, it was kind of done. It was, yeah, it was done from that done point. after that. Um, we we talked we talked about a couple of Adelaide United youngsters. So how's your French? Can you pronounce the the team name, Lockie? I think it's I think it's Reims, but Reims started a Reims. I think so. Well, that, that, Star de Reims. Star de Reims. Um, finished 12th in uh, League One 
last season. So um, mid-table, but it is a top European league. You've got two young guns of Australian football going over together, and I think going together certainly helps both of them. They'll have some allies and some friends, and we've got um, – that will be three players in France. Yes, though, top I was league. just about to say they'll have another Ligue uh, Aussie compatriot with, um, as well. Yeah, with Danny John Rose. So that's fantastic for Australian football. And, and we talked about it. We've, we've spoken about this a lot. To me, the A League needs to be yes, we have some cagey foreign, older foreigners in the team, but it needs to be a development league. So the fact that we're seeing these two guys go off into to France, Conor Metcalf is going to go to Germany after the grand final as well, is fantastic. And. Um, wish them all the best. Hopefully they come back better footballers and, and we're the green and gold for us. Yeah, it feels like we're slowly starting to see that um, you know, pro- or the, that transition of, of players from Australia, from yep. the national competition into decent standards of football overseas. Yep. Maybe finally starting to, to kick up again after what's been a pretty pretty barren run of that sort of stuff. I mean, for these two players to come out of the early to get into a a mid-table French club, and I know yep. some people say some very unkind things about the mm. French league now and again, but but that's 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 a, a great result, especially, I mean, Moture is, is so, so young, yep. uh, and Yaya Dukuli maybe hasn't played as many minutes, but the fact they've still been able to recognise his talent yep. uh, is really good. And just to know that they're watching as well. That's been the is plus. Nice. That's been such the positive. Mean, that has been some of the positives of the last few seasons of the A League men's is that we've had to rely on local talent and develop and, and fast track youth and have fast track Australian coaches. And you know we've seen some results out of yeah. that. Um, hopefully we don't regress. The talk of the thirty five marquees, a list of thirty five marquees for the A League men's for next season. Hopefully it's not a step backwards. Although um, maybe a tiny segue that Danny Townsend. Uh, he's now just got the one job. So there's a new CEO at Sydney FC, which means he steps down after being the chair of the, the Australian Professionals Leagues as well as Sydney FC now that he can just focus on maybe getting the TV stuff right and the active support right and the crowds back and scheduling right and, and that kind of thing. So we wish uh, Danny all the best in his one role now instead of two. Yes, I, I hope um, yeah. I hope that that is much more straightforward that that would be that that would be good the game would be better for it we need someone who just is focusing on one thing i mean why we didn't have that bit to begin with is another matter altogether but i absolutely as critical as i may be of him i i want danny townsend to succeed we all do we all do successes are my successes correct and everyone else in australian football successes absolutely absolutely yeah i mean look credit uh, no, not credit, but fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for for Danny Townsend. But yeah, congratulations and uh, commiserations in, in in equal measure to all of our Australians with their varied results overseas. And uh, Swindon Town was the other one. Sorry, that missed out on Friday morning when we went chronological on on penalties to make it to Wembley for the playoff out of League Two. Swindon Town being uh, owned by an Australian. So yes, Clem congrats, uh, congrats to Clem is exactly. What I was going to say. Well, mixed results overseas, but I'm um, great that we have so many results to talk about Absolutely. fundamentally. Uh, we're going to head to a short break here on the Oz Football Hour. On the other side, myself, Lockie, and Jason, we're going to do the long-awaited. We've been teasing it for this whole show, and now it finally is about to be here. The grand final preview right on the other side of this. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Wow! Yeah! Up like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick. 
For the final time tonight here on the Oz Football Hour, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It's the moment we've been waiting for here in the studio. The A-League's Grand Final, the A-League Men's Grand Final is upon us and we're going to be uh, getting in early. There's no, no, no better time, they always say, to do a Saturday night Grand Final preview than on a, a Tuesday evening. Well, there you go. And we don't know, um, so we don't know the lineups with the pure speculation. Uh, Nikolai Topper Stanley's been ruled out, we've just seen. So that's how we know that one. Okay, so that, that's that's one line. A- any word on, on Stephen Lustiger? Obviously, he made his return from injury, but then subsequently had to uh, come, come back, back off. off. No, haven't heard anything else. Well, fingers crossed, because I, I really, really do hope that uh, he can be involved in, in some capacity. I mean, that that is probably one of the heading into this, this grand final, 7.45pm, of course, at Amy Park, Western United, up against Melbourne City. I think that is probably one of the, the big talking points heading into this game is the amount of injuries that Western United have to deal, had to deal with throughout this final mm-hmm. season and the way they've really, uh, the players who have filled in have stepped up to the, stepped up to the plate and have put them on the verge of, of, of what would be a, a historic, historic victory. I guess we've touched in the review of the semi-finals what they're they're moving into uh, to Saturday night. So again, all credit to Western United on a, on a fantastic season to uh, to make it to their first grand final and uh, against Melbourne City, who have been the juggernaut. Really, this is their third grand final in a row. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how that all pans out. Uh, tickets will be available, I'm sure, for a lot of people, but there will be enough noise and enough of a crowd to make it a real spectacle. So if you can't make the game, make sure you tune in and watch it. I'm actually looking forward to it and taking the, the family along. Um, we talked about match matchups too. Do you want to run through some of those, Lockie? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, there are a lot of one-to-one battles that I think mm-hmm. are going to be very important on the weekend. I think there there are two that really stand out for me, and with the one of them does sort of depend on who, whether or not this particular player will be yeah. starting. But if Marco Tilio, after his promising performance, match-winning performance on the left for Melbourne City after he came off the bench against Adelaide, uh, is enough to earn him a start, very curious to see how he goes up against a recently returned from injury Josh Risden, a, a Josh Risden who both pre- and post-injury in the last few weeks has been a really, really solid performer in... What's been a pretty tight Western United defence? That's that's uh, for me. That's one of the, the the biggest. I think the other one I'd throw in the mix as well uh, has, has got to be Leo Lacroix coming ag- yep. up against Jamie McLaren. Not least because over over the stretch, the games these sides have played together, and let's not for- forget, Melbourne City have not beaten Western United this season. Yeah, uh, Western hold. The Edge, they're the only team to have, have won between either of these two sides. There have obviously been uh, some draws as well. Uh, but in all of those games, the consistent theme is that Leo Lacroix has really done, more often than not, an, a bang-up job of keeping one of the league's most potent strikers in Jamie McLaren quite quiet. So I think that is, for me, almost almost the biggest uh, one-to-one battle of this game. Is there any any others you'd like to throw into the mix? Not really. I mean, Josh Risden was amazing on uh, on Saturday. I, I looked at him and gone, you remember, he was he was starting for the soccer as the last World Cup, um, which is it's pretty 
pretty amazing. So the fact that where he's, he's gone to from there or since then is um, a bit disappointing, but he seemed to get a little bit of form back. So, again, Risden on Tilio or Risden on, uh, on Berenguer would be an interesting one going forward. Also probably Naboot, I am guess, say, that would be down the side at some stage. The Lacroix and McLaren one is very, very interesting. So we talked about Melbourne City having beaten Western United this year. They hadn't beaten Adelaide United either going into last Well, Sunday. that was their first win against the top four team yeah, all correct. year. So as people kept, um, kept pushing. So I think that probably goes out the window come Saturday night uh, in terms of the head-to-head battle. McLaren might have a little bit extra uh, in terms of what he wants to do. So he missed the win last year and um, from memory of going back to the Sydney FC one in Sydney. I don't think he scored and didn't have much of a Did influence. Not, no. All right, so no influence, no start, and then now he's uh, the third third chance for Melbourne City here. Oh. So he'll have a bit of motivation, I'm sure. And uh, look, it's been a criticism that's thrown up at been thrown up at Jamie McLaren this season. Is mm-hmm. does he turn up for the big games uh, when, when when certain when he comes up against the league's best yep. centre backs, the ones who know how to play against his sort of uh, style of yep. channel of running coaching, and, yeah. and, and pacing yep. behind or positioning yourself in the right uh, spot where the ball breaks, mm-hmm. uh, he can can go a little bit a little bit quiet. So. A great chance of him from a personal level to be directly involved in in the grand final win for City, but also to maybe uh, maybe silence a, a few of the critics that have, have cropped up this season. Absolutely, and then and also you know for the national team as well, it's when the, the lower Asian countries he will score against rather than the, more the higher ranked one as well has mm. been that criticism leveled yes. at him. But you know, fair play to him; he's over twenty goals sort of most most seasons that he's played, and his his output is tremendous. So. It wouldn't surprise me to see him score. And we talk about not turning up in big games. They hadn't beaten Adelaide or a top four team, and he scored the winner on Saturday, Sunday. It, it was so, handed to him on. But it's still got to be there. There's a, a copper lot, platter, not correct. a silver yeah. platter. So, but. Yeah, it's an interesting one. There's also a little bit of extra motivation. We talked about Lockie Wales and how he was sort of underappreciated, underutilized at Melbourne City. Most of the same people are still there. So he's got that to play for. Neil Kilkenny is an ex City player, um, rather virus thin at Perth Glory. He seems to be the general for Western United and really um, uh, shoring things up and basically uh, his nice loud voice making sure that the ball is going in the direction that it should be. Mm. Uh, and John The on-field Al- coach. Yeah, he is. And, and, yeah, absolutely. And John John Aloisi uh, obviously got his start at, uh, as a player at Melbourne Heart and then, um, and then coaching. So uh, there's a little bit for them to play for as well. I, I, I'm not sure. Excuse me. I'm not sure how this game is going to play out. It's. I, I don't think it's going to be high scoring, uh, given Western United's no. you know one nils uh, is pretty much got them I, through. And they got two of them this season yeah, against Melbourne City of the three games that they played. Yeah. So I don't think expected to be high scoring. I expect it to be um, fairly tight. Interesting. Yeah. No. I think I think that will be be true. Is there is there a particular player who you think is for either side most likely to sort of be that if, if indeed we do head down the route of a very tense uh, nil-all mm-hmm. kind of game that, that looms as a, as a potential game-breaker? I mean... I think we touched on that in the semi. I think Priovic has just shown that he can do it on the big stage, it, yeah. right? So he's he's the key guy for them. And being such a tall target man, he's doing it with his head and with his feet. Yeah. I mean, w- with the exception of the first leg of the semi-final, he's come up with extremely important contributions in yep. each of the finals games, scoring the winner against Wellington with a well-taken finish, uh, two well-taken finishes yep. against victory in the second leg to provide them the win, plus the assist. 
I mean, if if he, if he is able to uh, remember, maybe that's another interesting battle because if he's able to wrestle free of the the clutches of Curtis Good, for Nuno, example, yeah, Nuno race, yeah, then I think he could really be in a position to to dominate this game and and get the sort of runners either side of him involved. Because the other thing is uh, against Curtis Good, I actually think that in the Inverse way to the Lacroix and mm-hmm. McLaren battle. Alex Prijevic has probably had uh, had Curtis Curtis Good's number when they've come up against each other this year. Yeah, it's uh, he, he definitely looks as the the match winner for me from the from the United side of things. And um, City's defense has looked shaky. You know, Goods looked a bit shaky. Glovers looked very shaky last few games. You know, Race and um, and and Jenkinson are the and Jamison are the real really cagey old pros in the back line that uh, have really proven themselves. I don't think – I haven't seen Jenkinson do much wrong this season in terms of every time he gets the ball and occasionally gone forward to kick some goals as well or score mm. some goals for them too. be interesting one. I think that the most – the person that's going under the radar a lot this season sure. and, and Saturday night will be for City is Matthew Leckie. Um, if you think when he started coming back to the A-League, he's such a uh, wonderful overseas career in the, in the Bundesliga and, and a mainstay of the Socceroos for, this would be what, three campaigns, um, that he really looms as quite the threat because he started so slowly um, in the A-League and people were saying, oh, what's he, what's he doing here? And then he had that purple patch just uh, before Christmas, yeah. over Christmas, where he was scoring so regularly. Um, providing assists, banging in some uh, some really good goals, and then he got injured or COVID, I think, and then he and he's missed. He's been quite flat coming back, so he's he's due to turn one on the big stage at some stage. And, and b- believe you me, that feedback, uh, those opinions, did not escape the attention of Patrick Isnobo, who was very quick after yep. he was asked about Matt Leckie's performance in the semi final second leg, which was very good. Yep. Um, to remind. The uh, the journo types who were there, the the media elites, uh, if you want to call it. The, were you, so, you were I was there, yeah, so yeah, okay. certainly not the media elites. <laughs> yep. uh, but anyway, uh, certainly quick to remind them that you guys, you know, you, you were you were on his back at the start of the season. No one rated him, and and look where he is now. And I think it's it's funny because despite their sort of different um, realities as clubs and different. Um, not financial means, mm-hmm. but to to an extent, I guess that's kind of true. City is always going to trump every other team in the league. Um, Salary capped league, I believe both, he said. Sorry, but but no, <laughs> don't. Sorry, that that is to, to suggest that that isn't there is, is disingenuous. But yes, that's I'm a completely joking. different, yes. completely different podcast. Yeah. Um, we don't have we don't have time for that at the moment. But they're sort of motivated by similar things. The yeah. these sides, they're sort of feeling that. Other teams don't like them. Fans don't respect them. And I think that's as a subplot to this game. Obviously, winning the grand final is the sort of most important part. Obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, that's the that's the, the the fundamental thing. But I do think there, there's a really fascinating second narrative emerging out of all of this, which um, Joey Lynch has, has put very nicely. I think in his piece on the Guardian. You can head over to his Twitter to check it out. Um, but the little subplot is the battle to win maybe some respect. In, in the A-League. Because as I said, these two sides, a big core of what's pushed them this year is the perception that everyone else is is against them. It was kind of funny listening to Jamie McLaren uh, say a lot of the things he was saying at the full-time whistle that... Um, Dynasty, pe- wasn't it? Dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah. Uh, people don't believe in them. Yeah. Um, people have been critiquing them all year because of who they are. A lot of that stuff, I've spoken to a lot of Western United players this year 
uh, a lot of their narratives are quite similar. I mean, the videos from John Aloisi at the end of the game, he was saying, start of this season, no one gave us a chance to do this. No one believed we were capable of it. And look where we are now. We proved them wrong. So there is clearly a really big, big desire to win some respect and appreciation for both of these sides. Yeah, Western, because they've been uh, a bit ramshackle, the crowds have been poor, they haven't yep. delivered on what people... These are the criticisms uh, that people have made. Um, they haven't delivered the promises that they made, whereas for City it's to shake that expectation of, oh, well, you should be this good, you are the money bags team of the A-League, like this is just your standard. Yeah, I think... What I think with that, Lockie, though, is if you talk about dynasties and eras of, of the A-League men's, everyone talk about Rossellona and Brisbane Roar and what Ange did with them in terms of their success. And then they talk about Sydney FC and their sustained success and Melbourne Victory and their sustained success over, over different sort of uh, mini eras, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But no one's talking about City in the same in the same boat, are they? They're not putting it in the same boat. Well, saying, how good has City and, been and- the last three seasons? Because I guess... With the comp on the nose, the touch, the crowd's down, the TV rights issues, the uncoupling, all of that stuff has happened over the last few years. No crowds, the rest of it, um, you know, Glory and Phoenix stuck in, you know, hubs and all the rest of it that, that they're not really given the, the kudos they probably deserve. If they win on Saturday night, absolutely. That's- Do you think it will come? For them, do you think people will finally sort of say we have to give you your, your, your proper it should fair do. juice? It should do, but people expect them to do that. What about for Western United? Do you think people will finally sort of uh, accept what they've brought to the league, and and will the will I, the critics quiet down? I hope so, because um, I hope so, because the whole establishment of Western United was based on. Um, having Melbourne rivalries and Melbourne derbies. So they've had one True. in the semi-final and they've got one in the final coming up. So yeah, to, to, it'll justify I mean, that. Absolutely. And hopefully it'll, it'll kickstart them in terms of attracting extra fans, um, you know, fast-tracking the stadium. Yeah, to be able, to, to, be able right? to head yeah, into yeah. next season saying we are the best of the Victorian clubs. Yeah. Um, you know, these these two massive entities, uh, we've, we've uh, Which then, made it, them look second-rate. would be a huge deal for of, any yeah, marketing correct, campaign. Correct. In terms of members and crowds... They're not the two. They're not the biggest club in Melbourne, neither of them. But in terms of success, they can be right. So they can change that. Absolutely, so, absolutely, yeah. they can be. But the mm. question, the question is, before we before we head out, we do have to to do the normal, the standard yeah, okay. procedure and go with a prediction. Uh, Jason, I'll I'll, I'll let you uh, take the lead. What, how do you see this game going? I'm going to the same scorecard as as last year's grand final. I'm going to go City three three one to yep. City. Wow. Yep. Ooh. You know what? I know what you're going to say. Yeah, I think you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, what you got? I think Western are going to do it. Okay. I think they they have shown this season that they have had more often than not the measure mm-hmm. of City. And I know you you will will say to me that that regular season results don't necessarily factor in, but I think tactically from those games, these two sides haven't shifted all that much. Yeah. City have got the same vulnerabilities that they've had all season. You know, uh, defending pace in behind in yeah. particular. Granted, Western United have struggled with that a little bit as well. But whoever gets the first goal in this game is going to win it. I think it will take a while to come. Yep. But I think Alex Prijevic will get it in extra time and Western United will climb the mountain. What score? 1-0. 1-0. 1-0 after extra one time, course. Alex Prijevic. Yeah. 1-0 to the Western boys. Uh, how fitting, if it does indeed happen, that that be the... Uh, the closing narrative, United, the closing closing narrative yeah. of Western United season. But uh, despite our split predictions, one thing is absolutely for certain: we don't need a crystal ball for this. Uh, it's going to be an ent- entertaining game. There's going to be a great noise, and uh, yeah, make sure 
you're watching it, and we'll be here next week, same time, 6 to 7 on a Tuesday here on Football Nation Radio on the Oz Football Hour to, uh, to debrief it regardless of who emerges as the victor. But for the final time tonight, uh, thanks very much for your company. If you've missed any of the show from myself and Jason Goldsmith, you can uh, catch it on the replay of the stream or on your preferred podcast platform. But uh, this time next week, we've got our grand final review. We'll see you then. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Unbelievable kick. Come on here.